Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a guest who's supposed to be showing up. He's kind of working on some technical issues. His name's Philip Fairbanks. I've talked to Phil three times in the past. He talked about his excellent book titled Pedogate Primer, The Politics of Pedophilia. I think that was back in 2020. And then we talked earlier this year about two subjects. One was the MK Ultra mind control experiments done or conducted by the CIA and the U.S. government. And then he and Roberta Glass sat down with me and we talked about another important book titled The Witch Hunt Narrative by Ross Chait, C-H-E-I-T. So you can go back and listen to that. We went for about 90 minutes on that book alone. So much important material in that. But today we are intending, if he shows up, to talk about uh, a documentary that just came out on Netflix. And I asked him to share some stuff with me. He talks about Savile in his book and uh, actually did a video on it. I found out after I invited him to talk about this documentary. But uh, it's very interesting how Netflix handled this. I don't know the background, the full background of this documentary, but they clearly didn't go into the darkest side of Jimmy Savile, which really was kind of his occultism and some of the other really dark stuff. But you can see on, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see they just shaped this almost kind of like an Epstein thing where they didn't go into some of the darker things, blackmail, the politics of it. And uh, they just stuck to the story of him being a serial sex predator. And uh, But there's a lot of other dark stuff that he was involved in. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff came out in time. And that's what was left out. So that, that's kind of the title of this talk. Uh, if you're listening to the show on, on my podcast, William Ramsey Investigates, I don't have any marketing budget. So if you can share this show on your social media, I'd appreciate it. And also, if you kind of like the work I do or like this uh, inquiry, please go to Apple iTunes and give me a five-star review because that uh, that will help you know, just kind of help with the algorithm and stuff like that. So um, anyway, so yeah, I don't know if Phil's going to make it or not, but I'll just go solo. I mean, I just have this time set aside, but there's just so much. I mean, I've collected, I collected information about Savile over time and I'm just going to share some of the stuff that I've saw from some Savile. Like he was connected to a bunch of other people who were arrested after he died. He was never prosecuted, but uh, there were some just some interesting things that I saw on this on his gravestone. This is kind of like the sign of Pan with the two thumbs up, and there's all kinds of stories about Savile being involved in satanic rituals. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put up a couple of the kind of articles that I saw after he died. But like this is one. There's one in it. Like this is a known. Um, it's a known publication. The Express is talking about it. Jimmy Savile was part of a satanic ring. Jimmy Savile beat and raped a 12-year-old girl during a secret satanic ritual in a hospital. The perverted star wore a hooded robe and mask as he abused the terrified victim in a candle-lit basement. He also chanted Hail Satan in Latin as the other pedophile devil worshippers joined and assaulted the girl at Stoke Mandeville Prison in Buckinghamshire. The attack, which happened in 1975, shines a sinister new light on the former DJ's 54-year reign of terror. 
Saville, who died at age 84 in October 2011, is now Britain's worst sex offender after police revealed he preyed on at least 450 victims aged 8 to 47. The girl kept her torment hidden for, no, for nearly 20 years before finally opening up to therapist Valerie Sinison. She had been a patient at Stoke Manville, and that go, they go into that in the documentary. They actually kind of go into Stoke Manville, where this the actual lunatic ran the asylum, like he was making decisions. It was really incredible how much uh, authority he had there. But I think that there were there was something there, like uh, there was this other place that he went to called the Chamber. It had a ceremonial whipping post in the center of the room. The room was decorated with an occult-style pentagram. Goat's head, and he always had this kind of phallic uh, cigar there around. So uh, there's a substantial amount of information to show Savile was invited to satanic rituals in Whitby on a number of occasions. Once someone made a recording of what unfolded, and that film is still said to be in existence in DVD form. From what I understand, this was not so much a serious satanic ritual, but celebrities and local dignitaries dancing around naked with the satanic theme going on. But it's just so much more that they left out. So it's really kind of a, and you, you don't know what the executive decisions are made at on Netflix. So I don't know uh, exactly, you know, what kind of decisions they're make, making. But one of the interesting things about Savile, which I found fascinating, is kind of his decorative style ties in to the same kind of themes that I saw on Eyes Wide Shut when I was talking to Sean McCann about that. And you can see the red background here. This is from the uh, documentary. But he was networked with the Queen, the Pope. Uh, there's just so many people. The King, Prince Diana. These are, I mean, it just shows how, and he, he was obviously a member of the British Empire, I think. So he became Sir Jimmy, Jimmy Savile. <clears throat> here he is with Thatcher. He's the one, I mean, it's remarkable how much access he had because he's the one opening the door at 10 Downing. I mean, it's off the charts. Here he is right here. So they're like playing around. So there's Savile opening the door. And um, so he's just very networked. But what they left out is that he was friends. There's a remarkable picture of this guy with um, a serial killer, like a very, like an infamous serial killer, the Yorkshire Ripper. And that's kind of where I think he had northern. He was actually the seventh son. So like a witch son is supposed to be the seventh son. So Jimmy was seventh in line. I don't know if he was the seventh son of a seventh son. But he may have been marked from birth as kind of a witch. And it's pretty clear that he knew hand gestures and things like that. But uh, I have a picture of him with one of these. With the Yorkshire Ripper. Let me see if I can find it. It's kind of an infamous picture around uh, the internet of him. And I think the old boxer was Frank Bruno, was the boxer that he's with. But it's just not popping up right here. Um, but this is also, he, you know, so I showed that earlier picture of him with the thumbs up. But here he is again, doing it again. So it's almost like he's making the sign of pan here. Uh and he had kind of weird ideas. Like he had this weird haircut. Um, let's see if this is it. He actually reminded me kind of a, of a medieval jester. Like he had that kind of quality to him. Um, but somebody has said that this haircut, 
like he had this weird kind of uh, serial killer connection to the Yorkshire Ripper and then the Moore's murderers. One was Myra Hindley. Somebody said, I read somewhere that he's emulating her here. Kind of, he does kind of strangely look like Myra Hindley, which is weird. But uh, where's the Yorkshire Ripper? Which I can't find right now. Let's see if I can find that. Um, but yeah, so the Yorkshire Ripper. Let's see. He also, I can't find that picture of him in the Yorkshire Ripper. I'm sure somebody's got it. But, uh, oh, another of his occult things, like the, the Process Church was active in England, and they only had two kind of guest celebrities, as far as I know, on one of their publications, and one of them is Jimmy Savile. So here's Jimmy Savile on a literal Process Church. It's Jonathan DePires, was a big wig, and uh, it's really pretty incredible what he says here. He's like... Uh, are you moral? I would say I'm highly moral during the day and even highly moral during the evening. But of course, we won't say anything about nighttime because that is when all the real wolves like myself rise from the darkness and leap about causing mayhem left and right. So he says that about himself there. Um, so, yeah, he know he kind of knows the hand gestures and things like that. But here, here's Savile making the sign of silence. So here he is. He's got his hand up, kind of like his the kind of phallus. This is the guy he actually kind of reminded me of is this guy named Marty Feldman. I think he was in Young Frankenstein, but he kind of had these kind of weird gestures you would do like this guy, like he was copying him. or Marty Feldman was copying him. I don't know. They were copying each other or something, but really strange. So here's, here's Savile in some kind of weird... Um, Druid cloak. I don't know if people have seen this. There's another one of him um, just wearing strange outfits. I hope Phil shows up, but I don't know. It's weird, weird stuff. Um, but one of the odd things also about Saville, oh, here he is with a mask. This is kind of an odd one, too. <clears throat> one of the strange things about Saville, he had this kind of country home up in the north of, um, I think it was in Scotland or something like that. But you can see him here in front of it. He's got his kind of trademark cigar. So he's gesturing for the, the public. But after he died, somebody went and defaced it. They uh, uh, went and put some graffiti on there calling Savile a beast. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Let me see if I can find that picture. Oh, here's a good one. So Savile... Let me see, I can find that picture. But Savile was notorious for wanting to be buried at 45 degrees. So this is his grave, and he's being buried facing east. So this is kind of a witch burial, and there's no doubt that this is some kind of this is this is an old engraving of a similar witch burial. 
even though he was externally a Catholic. Um, but yeah, there's no doubt that he was fully a cult. And here's kind of Savile's. They wrote Jimmy the Beast on the side of his property up there. Here it is right here. So it's Jimmy the Beast. Did this totally defaced it? Let's see this. Here it is, right here. So there's Jimmy Savile. He had a tiny, kind of a small little place up there, but it was weird. They were saying inside the documentary that he he was constantly moving around. He was constantly going to different places, and there's kind of an infamous scene. Like I couldn't find it in my research, but. I think he was on Celebrity Big Brother with Dennis Rodman and another guy who I've studied. I've done three shows on a guy by the name of Michael Barrymore, who there was a death associated with him, a guy by the name of Stuart Lubbock in 2001. And he's with in this show with Jimmy Savile and Michael Barrymore. It was a big scandal and it was very tied into kind of my research into the smiley face killings because Lubbock seems to have been thrown into water, into the pool after he died to make it look like he drowned, but he didn't drown. So it's really something else to see. Let me see if I can pull that up. See this on this Big Brother. Um, see them on this Big Brother show together is really, really something else. Let's see if I can find it. So there's like Dennis Rob. He pops in the door on this one. And let me see if I can get the sound to go. I have to see how big you are. Excuse me. He's talking to Dennis Rodman. I have a violent temper, but you have nothing to fear from me. Good morning. This is Tracy. This is the legendary Jimmy Savile. You don't have to tell me who you are. I mean, look at the fun. Welcome. I'd, this crazy I'd, I'd, I'd like to marry all of you ladies for at least 24 hours. Yeah. How are you? How are you? Good to see you. Thanks. Oh, it's the big man. You have nothing to fear from me either. No, I neither is he, neither is you. I know that many fellows love you, but they don't love you with the sincerity and tenderness that I do. <laughs> and even, I always tell the truth, even when I'm lying. <laughs> Good morning. Right. Now then, if I can tell you, if I can tell you, if I can tell you why I'm here. Yeah, why are you here? So that's him. He's shaking hands with Michael Barrymore. So this is after this whole thing happened with Barrymore. But then he goes on to kind of log roll for Barrymore. Like, oh, yeah, Barrymore's a great guy. But he, Barrymore, yeah, some suspicious stuff. So you can go through my old shows and, and talk about Barrymore. So these guys have a pretty cute, pretty peculiar kind of past, but yeah, it's just really something else to see. I think this guy on the far left is also kind of a popular alternative commentator. I can't remember his name offhand, but I think he's an MP, but uh, 
there's just so many other pictures of him. This is, I mean, he was totally networked. This is this is Savile with Elvis. There he is. And uh, so he was in these hospitals. He was in there with this kind of Moore's murderers. So he had this kind of uh, knowledge of them. And then the Yorkshire Wert Ripper is just incredible. It's just an incredible fact that he's with Savile's with the Yorkshire Ripper. See if I can find that picture. I guess that's, that's there it is. I don't think that Philip is going to make it. So this is a picture of Savile with oh there he is. Philip. I just said that you weren't gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well uh, before we get into Savile, let me just We're give live. everybody a We're live, baby. We're live. Right. We're live. Before we get into Savile, this is this is a public service announcement, honestly. If you need a smartphone and you have less than a hundred dollars, just don't get a smartphone. Because a fifty dollar Vivo, you ever heard of a Vivo? No. You know, like Chinese no. text comes up and Three quarters of the apps that I need literally cannot be downloaded on this machine. Oh, but it's got an Android. Oh, excuse me. Fun Touch OS based on Android operating system, which is why it's literally anyways in between that and laptop dying on me again. I forgot it was Monday, Thursday yesterday. You know, I, I never did the whole Holy Week thing being raised Baptist, but. Nothing was open uh, to even get a, a, a like a replacement battery for uh, the laptop that died on me for like the second time this year so far. But yes, I am here. Sarah said Serio, late but in earnest. <laughs> well, you are right on time because we're talking about Savile's relationship with the Moore's murder and the Ripper, which I'm showing on screen if you can see it. You can see it. Which they absolutely don't mention in the documentary, and, and and that's something I wanted to say. Like, if you know, if you want to watch the documentary, watch the documentary. It does have some value. I, anytime you let the victims and the people who know somebody uh, give them a chance to speak, that's valuable. That said, like, there's just something really weird about the fact that they would ignore the fact, like they mentioned Broadmoor multiple times. But not the fact that he hung out with Ian Brady and Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire uh, Yorkshire Ripper. There, that's just kind of odd, right? Right, it's crazy. It's right. absolutely it's crazy. I mean, such an important exactly. part of the story. One of the Yorkshire Ripper victims was found within throwing distance of of Savile's place. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, and there was some inquirer. I, you know, I don't know how much veracity there is to it, but there were there were rumors and claims that. He had bought like uh, images or videos of child torture from like Brady, uh, perhaps. I mean, like, you know, uh, birds of a feather, I guess. Right. I mean, I, I do believe that it wasn't philanthropy that led him to, uh, you know, have this burgeoning years long relationship with a notorious with two notorious child killers. 
Right. They were they were right. you know, some of the most infamous murderers in the UK. For people in the US, you may not know about that. But yeah, they I think he was actually investigated and they took a tooth print from Jimmy regarding the Yorkshire because he might have been a suspect, right? Isn't it something like oh, that? Something like that. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. And he was also, of course, friends with Gary Glitter. And you know, when everything came out, they did a whole, you know, they did a big show of there was uh Operation Hydrant and Operation Fairbank, not Fairbank, no relation. Also Operation U Tree. Do you remember that? In U Tree, yeah, there were like there were like a half a dozen of what they called historical institutional abuse um, uh, inquiries. But sadly, like even the cops were saying, like, yeah, yeah, we we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't prepare our witnesses right, and and I think that's putting it nicely. I mean, come on. We, we all know that the big reason why no royals are busted uh, from the Cleveland Street scandal on to Epstein, despite their very close proximity, I, I don't think it's just because the cops aren't trained well or are understaffed. Right. It's just right. incredible. He was given a house at that hospital, too, right? So, like, he the lunatic was running the asylum. He, he literally, yeah. Yeah, he was drugging people. Um, just incredible just stuff. Incredible. Another thing that they don't mention, literal necrophiliac. You know, because uh, it was Broadmoor and the kids in the kids' hospital. And I have a feeling because, you know, like they asked him, uh, you know, that, that, that's one clip they had in the uh, documentary where it was like, well, you know, 20 minutes or 28 minutes is a gimmick, but if you do something for 25 years, you got to love it. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You really love uh, necrophilia, raping kids. And, you know, I, I, I think he probably treated some people in Broadmoor pretty awfully, too. Just the fact that just the fact that he was friends with, the, uh, you know, the Yorkshire Ripper. I think that was more of a, hey, hey, we've got shared interest kind of thing more so than. But, yeah, I mean, whether it's a mental health institution or a prison or whatever, like sociopaths love places where you've got a captive audience who can't talk back and are under your uh, under your thumb. Right. So like right. a full on so necrophiliac, but also involved in satanic rituals. People have seen him at satanic rituals. He would repeat a number of occasions like satanic dictums, like I am above morality. I'm totally free. I'm not constrained by anything. I stand for yeah. ultimate freedom. These are all Crowleyan type statements. Did you feel like they almost hinted at that a few times in the yes. two-part documentary? It's like, yeah. it's like they were teasing yeah. us, like, no, don't worry. We're going to get around to that. Like right down to, I, I did like, it was very stylish. It was slick. I liked the way the part one ended with, you know, clips from an interview. And he's like, hey, what's all this now? Because, you know, he's suddenly just dis uh, discovered he is not going to get softball questions. Uh, and he's like, this sounds like there's going to be some part two or something. And I was like, hey, maybe that's it. That's, that's a great hook. If they had decided to do a part two, that covered all the stuff that wasn't in part one, that would have been a genius way to end it, you know? But sadly, no, part uh, part two was just more of the same. 
And, and like I said, there was there was good material in it. It's just like, wow, talk about burying the lead. There was some really, really important major stuff that, that you know, got no mention, like zero. Right. I totally agree. And they didn't get into how fully networked he really was. I mean, I think they kind of said it, but, like, they didn't show pictures of how many people – like. He just knew everything. He's in front of Elvis and just goes way back. Yeah, yeah, and and close with. Uh, oh yes, uh, he was he was friends with Prince Charles because Charles wanted to appear like a commoner. Yeah, that's it. Prince right. Philip right. was also friends with him. Have you ever seen Prince Philip around commoners when he was alive? Prince Philip, like God bless him. I mean, like it's honest. You know what I mean? Like some some elitist bastards will like pretend to care about common human beings, but not Prince Philip. Prince Philip, you know, would wouldn't even bother to disguise his disgust at anyone who was not of royal blood. So, uh, yeah, I I do not buy the fact that uh, the entire reason why Prince Charles was uh, connected was, you know, just trying to get some street cred from the ordinary folks, because if so, then why was the queen and and Philip and Andrew and the rest of them all uh, quite chummy? They would go out together. They would go places together. And know what we know about Andrew now. And like I said, you know, birds of a feather and the fact that we know that Savile liked to hang out with people who did things like he did. And, you know, whether that you know, in the case of Brady and uh, Sutcliffe, they get they didn't get away with it. But he, you know, he he liked. I think he liked uh, to share that secret with uh, maybe with certain people who you know were his ill. Right. He's clearly yeah hanging out. He knows right. his own. It seems like I want to. I'm going to play this video right here. This is him going straight into. The royal castle. Watch this. This is incredible. They just don't even check any of his bags. They just don't even I've taken many guests in over the years, but he's the only one who was simply waved through security. No airport-style scanner for him. And as we walk down the corridors every few seconds, a policeman, a canteen worker, an MP would shout out, Jimmy, hello, Jimmy. How's about that then, Jimmy? He had everyone under his spell. And everyone fell for his trick. Portray him as he wanted, and he'd get away with anything. Hospitals have rules with patients and things like that. Well, because I'm dyslexic, I want to be. I don't understand rules. Here you go. Phil Hornby, former... He's constantly hinting at that. I don't understand rules. I don't understand that stuff. It's too much. That's good. And I heard another, I don't know if it was in this or somewhere else, where a lady was like, well, you know, he would play dumb. He would play like he just didn't know any better. And people would be like, oh, okay, maybe he's simple. He was like he literally would play simple sometimes, and people would play along with it. Uh, yeah. And here he is in this kind of magic attire. He's making a magical gesture that means I'm initiated. When you put your arm in that kind of gesture, 
there's there's other I've, I've got Crowley doing that. I mean, it's yeah. Oh, that's so, the, like so. even that tiny little clip. That was like what, you know, uh, maybe forty-five to uh, ninety-second clip, and mesmerized, underspell, trick. I mean, like it was. I mean, it, it after after uh, the part two started and was half over, and I started to realize, wait a minute, they are not going to get into any of this. It was like, then why did you constantly hint at that? Now, to be fair, a lot of the people who were saying things like, oh, he mesmerized people, he put people under a spell, he was like a Svengali, a lot of those were just folks who knew it. And I don't know, man. Like, what do you think about the guy that was his producer, uh, producer for 21 years? Yeah, Thank they you, were all man. playing stupid. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of really good excuses. But I think that there was there was hints that he was manipulating people. Like I took in my notes that he he had he alerted his legal team, he would threaten people with legal action, finish up at the old Bailey, you know, so like he was putting it all. Yeah. I think that the Louis Thoreau interview was really the one. The Drone Dynasty says that's the one that kind of broke so always didn't leave him alone. And uh, then he would use, well, if there was any evidence, I would be in jail, wouldn't I? If all these horrible things, I mean, that's horrible stuff you're accusing me of. Surely I would be in prison if that were true. Yeah, uh-huh. Same with Epstein, you know? Right. No, sometimes you get yeah, part two, he kept saying, my case comes up next Thursday. So he's like joking that he's going to jail, but he's not going to court. Yeah, really strange. I don't know. Maybe yeah, next really Thursday, if next Thursday was a euphemism for judgment day, then he has had his trial. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was another thing that got me the bit about how. Uh, like what did they say? His, you know, his hands were like knotted together as if he was uh, desperately praying at the at the end of his death. Because you know he was apparently raised like really strict Catholic religious, but I mean, like so was Crowley. Uh, in fact, I think you know the the strict fundamentalist uh, and and in in both of their cases also abusive upbringing, kind of like painted the idea of Christianity to them at a young age. So, I mean, like, you know, if, if you've got abusive parents who use the Bible to, you know, justify their abuse, yeah, I can see where you might get the idea that maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe the devil's the good guy and everybody was lying. I, 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 can, I can get that. But no, I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. No. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up, though, is like, it's hard to tell with him. Yeah, I, I definitely believe there's an occult angle. Um, but even with Aleister Crowley, I think some of the stuff that he said and did uh, was like a smoke screen. Like, uh, what's the bit from the Book of Lies about you, you take a, a child of perfect intelligence and you sacrifice him? And But, you know, if you asked Crowley or an OTO devotee, they would explain, you know, it, with footnotes, citations and sources to other other material by Crowley and his notes and other things that 
he referred to. Oh, no, no, no. See, that was a sly joke about um, onanism and recycling your bodily juices. I'm trying not to be graphic here. Um, right. But th yeah, what that's what right. he literally yeah. off that the whole, uh, I think it was Book of Lies, where it says something about, you know, uh, you know how you need to uh, make a sacrifice of a, a young boy of perfect intelligence and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and so a lot of that stuff can be taken either way. In some cases, it might be both ways. And if so, then having that uh, plausible deniability makes it just that much easier to make it look like, you know, it already looks ridiculous. Even if you, even if you know the background, sometimes the truth sounds ridiculous. It does, and here he's wearing like a lot. This is a ring he made out of a real person's eyeball, according to what I read. That eyeball ring, yeah. He just had so much occult stuff. Here he is again with the eyeball ring. And that's actually seen, that symbolism is seen in uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, I didn't know that. But I, the first yeah. thing I thought was like, you know, uh, guys like Ed Gein and Henry Lee Lucas and uh, you know, a lot of serial killers like, like to keep, um, what do you call it, uh, trophies, right? And I think in some in some ways, obviously, it's a way to relive the height of the moment. But in other ways, I think in some cases, there's a, a ritualistic aspect to it. And, and I want to be really careful when I say ritualistic, like uh, certain obsessive compulsive behaviors uh, can be considered ritualistic. Like I think, I think when people use the term ritual or ritualistic, they get something in their head that like, oh, you believe that like, you know, the the, the Illuminati can fly on bloom, uh, broomsticks or something. No, no. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I have a cup of coffee. That is my daily ritual. Right. And it's not a magic right. trick, but if I don't abide by that trick, my day will be cursed. So, yeah, you know, a ritual doesn't necessarily have to be occultic or satanic, uh, you know, uh, but in the case of Crowley, yes, ideology. And, you know, uh, like William James was also in, uh, interested in, in mysticism. And, you know, he played with uh, uh, what you call it, a nitrous oxide. He had a quote unquote. Uh, enlightenment experience and saw like Samadhi and Satori uh, under the influence of, of laughing gas. Uh, so, you know, even before Crowley, there's been kind of a, an interplay between the social sciences and psychology and the occult. I don't know. I don't know if Dr. Christopher Hyatt, the author of the sociopath's Bible is to be uh, believed. I mean, you know, when you're going to write a book called like it was the psychopaths or the sociopath Bible. But if you're going to write a book with that title, I mean, you know, you should probably take that person with a grain of salt. If the whole purpose of the book is to teach you how to be manipulative and get over on people and succeed by, you know, amorality or whatever. Uh, but yeah, one of the most interesting things about Hyatt is he was, a uh, practicing psychiatrist or psychologist for years and then got into the occult. And he claims, I don't know if he's right, but he claims that that's not that uncommon for people in high levels of 
social sciences and psychology to end up kind of getting into the uh, uh, into the occult. Uh, and, and it makes sense, really, like, you know, Jung, I, you know, I mentioned William James, but I used to like as a teenager, I had Alchemical Types by Carl Gustav Jung. And uh, what, what fascinated me about that was how like the Zodiac and alchemy and all this stuff, dude, it's just personality types. It's just it's just uh, superstition mixed with, um, you know, basic personality tropes that if you understand how they interact with each other could be useful in some ways. Uh, I think the scariest thing about magic is whether it's supernatural or not, it works sometimes. Right. Here you go. Moore's Murders, Jimmy Savile, part of Pedal Ring with Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. Oh, uh, that's right, before I forget. And Myra, Myra Brady, of course, went to an all-women prison. Guess who she ended up having a relationship with in prison? Rose West? Fred yeah, Rose West. By the way, that story always bugged me too, like not just because it's incredibly graphic and awful, uh, but the fact that he was known by the cop, just like Gacy, he was known by the cops. They knew he was a criminal and did awful things, but he would also, quote, grass on folks. He was a narc. He was a narc, so he got away, you know? They, they liked the fact that he stayed, uh, you know, with an ear down, uh, uh, to the ground when it came to uh, crime and whatnot, so so they used him. Right. So here's the highlight here. Uh, it is known that Savile visited them both inside. I believe they were in a rig of some sort. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they they definitely at least bonded over shared interests. I'd say. Right. Right. And there was, I think he was alleged to it might have killed a 12 year old girl. Have you heard that, Savile? Uh, what's that? Have you heard that Savile maybe have been involved in the murder of a 12 year old girl? Oh, I, I, ha I'm not sure if I'd heard that. I can't, I can't recall off the top of my head. But knowing that he, at the very least, you know, raped terminal children, and some of them after their death. And before their death, and that's another thing that, you know, the necrophilia not once mentioned. Dude, why did he want to work at a children's hospital? It wasn't even just uh, proximity to victims. That's, I mean, like, it's bad enough. But, like, on top of that, he had this desire to, once they were dead, he wanted to, you know, defile their corpse and take control over their body one, one last time. Like he was, he was definitely a control freak. By the way, I see some uh, comment about the VIP pedophile ring. Uh, it was at the Kinkora thing. I remember um, what was it? The uh, IP, ICPE or IPCE. There was uh, the the International Emancipation of of uh, Pedophiles and Children. Or it, it was it was some like it was basically Prostasia and NAMLA uh, for for the UK except for the fact that it literally did have some parliament support. Like, parliament support. Wow. 
Or Myra Henley exposed as a practicing witch, who's a cold link lead to Jimmy Savile. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't know much about the possible connections between the Moore's murders uh, and the occult, but just in general, uh, you know, you were talking about Crowley and free will and the will to power and, you know, this Nazi-esque Nietzschean stuff. No, I mean, like, uh, what is it? The deck not the Declaration of the Rights of Man, that's Rousseau, but uh, Liber Al something, Al Legis, or I, I don't remember which one it is. It's a short, cute little poem. A man has the right to live as he will to do. Oh, right. Liber Oz, Liber Oz, 77. Liber 77. Yes. And he literally says to kill as he will, to kill anybody who stands in the way of his true will. And it's like, yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, like, it's it's not even about uh, a cult or serial killer. That's just classic narcissism there. Now, classic narcissism uh, in, in certain circumstances might lead someone, uh, you know, to darker realms of the occult and uh, interest in, in, you know, uh, uh, like NLP I've heard described as uh, sort of like an ice pick. You know, it's uh, it's not good or evil on its own. You could create uh, a beautiful ice sculpture with an ice pick, and you could also uh, create a, a frontal lobotomy or, or, or vicious murder. But like the NLP itself is kind of, you know, uh, neutral. But yeah, uh, certain people who are interested in, you know, uh, manipulation and control, uh, whether whether they're implicitly satanic, like the the idea I have for uh, in it fits with Levian Satanism. There is like an undercurrent of fascism and I only care about myself. And uh, like it, the eighties, by the way, I, I, it wasn't until like I was, you know, through the eighties, I, I, I lived through the eighties and then it was like late in the nineties when I started to realize, dude, like all the music I listened to, uh, not to mention, you know, the books and the, you know, uh, the literature that I'd read from uh, the 20th and 19th century. I wouldn't call it necessarily satanic, a lot of it. Like Blind Melon or, you know, Nirvana. They don't necessarily talk about like like Slayer, Metallica. You, you know, you could arguably call that satanic. But uh, not so much, you know, Blind Melon or... Stone Temple Pilots or Hole or Nirvana, but if you listen to their lyrics, it's you know, a, a 80s American culture was consumerist, narcissistic, self-obsessed, and often interested in some really dark stuff. You know, that, that Blind Melon song, Toes Across the Floor, about, uh, can, uh, uh, about bestiality on the same album. I was a kid listening to this stuff and it went over my head. Then one day, like I woke up and I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. Did he just say, make a lampshade of durable skin. And then I realized that that song, you know, uh, when will I realize that this skin I'm in? Hey, it isn't mine. It's about a serial killer who kills people, uh, wears their skin and turns them into lampshades. Like that's not, 
like uh, on the same album as the one about, you know, bestiality and, and other just really dark themes, it doesn't come through necessarily even sometimes. Like it can be a peppy sounding song. But yeah, uh, I think I think, you know, whether it's implicitly a cult or not, there's uh, something that I would call like subconscious Satanism, uh, which is just a sort of narcissism and lack of empathy. Uh, that, you know, lends itself very well to fascism and the, the idea of, you know, uh, social Darwinism and, and the will to power and might makes right and all that stuff that, that uh, you know, Anton LaVey and Michael Aquino really, really got into. Right. This guy is connected to other pedophiles. So I think Cliff Richards was investigated or something like that or both. And then this Jill Dando murder. Have you ever heard of Jill Dando's murder and her tie to this whole network? Or her investigation? Yeah. Into it? Name off the top of my head, I can't uh, can't think of who it is. But I, she was a famous TV presenter presenter in the UK who like was a coming home and somebody shot her as she was going through her door. And people have tied it to her investigation into this kind of pet of network. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, I, I didn't catch the name of whoever uh, was commenting that jumped up there on the screen, but uh, Kinkora and the uh, IPCE or whatever it was, there were royal ties. There were. Uh, um, you know, uh, one of the videos that I was watching before. Where I wrote Pedo Gate Primer, I think it's still online on YouTube. It's uh, it's called uh, 30 Years or 40 Years of Nudge and Wink Jokes about Jimmy Savile. And it literally is just that. It goes all the way back to 1978. Bear in mind, most of these were live off the cuff stuff because the BBC does a lot of those, you know, like game shows and, and presenter shows and stuff. And you can see where some of these guys. They'll start to talk, and then they'll make it, uh, you know, oh, he likes something about the gym of food. That's, um, and, and then the guy just, like, froze, like, oh, my gosh, I might have just lost my job. In another case, the guy is like, oh, uh, I I think we just had some uh, technical difficulties. I believe we went off the air in a few counties there. Apologize for the. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you went off the air. Like, yeah, I don't know who cut, you know, cut the power, but you're very uh, known as a, uh, when the Sex Pistols released uh, God Save the Queen. She ain't no human being. In it hit the top ten, uh, even in the UK, and uh, because because the Brits are so weird about their royalty stuff, um, I believe that uh, at least for a time they would put asterisks uh, to kind of like it was like God stuff, but it wasn't that that they. Came Kicked him out 
of the BBC for four decades. No, he was uh, on with John Peel, you know, uh, is it John Peel? Uh, recorded with it was the Beatles, recorded with, and they kicked it 40 plus years. Hmm. Yeah, the audio's not great, and yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Phil, uh, is there anything you'd like to add? I mean, where people can get your book, right? Um, from you, what's your website again? PhilFairbanks.com, and if you hate Amazon as much as me, yes, I still use Amazon because, I mean, you know, it's uh, – how's the old joke go? It's a crooked game, but it's the only one in town. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, you, you can pick it up at Amazon, but it's also at Barnes & Noble, Target, uh, Books A Million. Um, you know, there's a, a store in Poland. There's a store in Taiwan. There's a store, you know, online retailers at least in like, you know, five or six different countries uh, from, from Australia to, to Asia, to Europe, to the U.S. Um, so Pedogate Primer, The Politics of Pedophilia. But uh, like I said, hit up philfairbanks.com and, and you can find all my contact info. If you can't afford a copy, I will send you a copy uh, because, you know, for this book especially, I... I I knew it would happen eventually. I didn't think it would take almost two years, but like a, a couple of months ago, some guy, oh, this guy is just cashing in on that whole uh, Pizzagate and QAnon. Somehow, I figured out that there was going to be a Pizzagate and QAnon 15, 20 years of my time, waiting for it to become marketable. No, no, that's not at all the case. And that's, you know, because I knew that somebody eventually would say that. Uh, yeah. I do always try and make sure to uh, offer the book uh, for free because, you know, uh, on a topic like that, that's the last thing you want to be accused of is being like a profiteer off of misery. Uh, but I do believe it is kind of an important book because I, I do try to steer away from the, uh, you know, too much conjecture. And because uh, th there's a lot of stuff that I believe may be so, but unless I have evidence to say it's so, I keep that to myself. And, well, you know, the occasional podcast. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the uh, Pedigate Primer does cover some Savile, some larger kind of networks, political networks. And stuff like that, so people can go check that out. But uh, yeah, the audio is not great, so I'm just gonna let this one end. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for your time. Oh, sorry about that, man. That's okay. Take care. Too. Until next time. Okay.